Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Lech Lecha Shlishi, the third Aliyah in Parshas Lech Lecha. Our Aliyah is 14 Psukim long, running from Perik Yud Gimel Hey to Yud Gimel Yud Ches. The main topic is the separation of brothers. A, bra- a brief summary of our Aliyah and then a few points to ponder. We hear in this Aliyah how Lot is also um, a very rich when he goes with Avraham. Uh, Avraham and his, the, the land couldn't really carry both of them together because they had so much, they had so much wealth together and there was it ended up that there was a fight between the shepherds of Avram and the shepherds of Lot and at this point in time the Canaanite the Canaanites on the land and Avram says to Lot listen we can't we can't have this fight between us between our shepherds our representatives it's, it's not it's not appropriate so look the land is very big you know you go the one way I'll go the other way and um, and we'll make it that way so Lot looks up looks up and he sees the beautiful the, the valley there by the Yarden by the by the Jordan River, and this is before, of course, Sodom and Amorah have been destroyed. It's a very beautiful area, and he decides to go there. He goes to the Kikari Ardain. The This is the tributaries of the, of the Jordan River, where it leads to, to a very fertile valley. And um, and at this point in time, he goes and he settles, settles in the areas of Sodom. And we're told that the people of Sodom are very bad people to Akash Baruch Hu. At which point, after Lot separates from Avram, Hashem says to him, listen, look in all directions, and whether it be the north, the south, the east, the west, everything is going to be for you and for your children. And I'm going to make your children like the dust of the earth. And nobody can really count the dust of the earth. So I'm going to walk the length, the breadth of the land because I will give it to you. And that's Avram Vidu settles down. He settles down in an area called Eilon Mamre, which is in the area of Hebron. And he builds another Mizbeach to Hashem, another altar to Hashem. That's the summary of our Aliyah. Let's take a few basic points to ponder. Number one is, why was it that their shepherds were fighting? So Rashi explains that the debate was as follows. They understood that Avram had been promised the, the, the land. This is the promised land. And they therefore ultimately knew that this would be their land in the future. So the 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 shepherds of Lot were saying, well, if it's going to be ours in the future and there's no children to Avram at this point in time and Lot is therefore going to be the inheritor, this is ultimately our land. So why are we beating around the bush? We can eat wherever we want. And they would unmuzzle their animals in the surrounding fields, even if they did not belong to them. Whereas Avram Avinu felt, felt that this was theft because Akanani, like, um, the Kenats were in the land at this point in time. It was not theirs to take yet. Ramban disagrees with Rashi and says that does not make so much sense because clearly the promise was only to the future, not to the present company. So how could they take that as grounds to utilize the the land already? So he makes another observation that is is that because they were so lo- they were so large with all their flocks and their cattle, and the land couldn't really carry them in such a way, they would inevitably have to go into other people's land. And if they went into other people's land, that involved great risks. Great risks were people becoming jealous, people pillaging and stealing from them and waging war at them. Avram was concerned, and this this sort of led to disputes between them because of their vast amounts of land. And this was the fear of Aknani, Vaprizi, um, or Yoshev Baharetz, that the people were in the land at the time and they were concerned about their public standing with them as well which is a little bit of a different perspective than Rashi. Now, why did Yolot choose the Kikarayadeh in the valley of the Jordan River? So the Bukhara Shor says very simply, as the Pasuk emphasizes, 
because as a river, it no longer depends on rainfall, and therefore it's going to be very a very fertile, very successful place. And he he obviously has a lot of flocks, needs to graze them somewhere, and it reminds him of Egypt. They just come out of the very lush and plush land of Egypt, and so this this is the part in Israel that reminds him of that model. However, the Gemara Nazir tells us a little more. It's a little more devious. Rashi tells us, um, quoting quoting this Gemara as well, and that is in under the Gemara in Chavkimol that tells us that it's really all all um, it's the Shem Avera. This was really he his his intent was to live a looser kind of lifestyle. He wanted to live in in a in an area where uh, where there'd be more promiscuity, more extravagance, more lush, lushness in the terms of the whole manner of life and existence. And so the intent was not one of pure um, pragmatic considerations that was happening here as well. The Malbim explains that this was actually a process, so it didn't happen at once. First he went and they just sort of separated and he lived by himself in the valley. And then afterwards he sort of, you know, found him with his way towards the local town. Then he became involved in that town and then ultimately they separated not just physically but theologically from one another. And that's generally, generally speaking, a pretty good unfortunately a pretty good model for what the Jew in diaspora looks like and give it a generation or two or a few years what that ultimately generally um, follows. Another question is, is why did Hashem make the promise of the land to Avram straight after Lot leaves him? Why? Why now? Rashi explains, well, because Hashem was not in communication with Avram until Lot had actually left him because Lot was a bad influence. Another possibility over here is, Rav Foreman points out a very beautiful perspective, and that is that if Avram had been promised these children, this great legacy, this nation, and all these wonderful things for so many of these years, and they just aren't children, so what goes through Avram's mind? What, what, what could possibly the resolution be? So one possibility is, is that it could actually be that my adoption of Lot is going to be that that prophecy. I'm going to self-fulfill the prophecy in looking after my nephew Lot, my the, the son of my deceased brother Haran. And it's at this point in time when Lot decides to go, you can imagine the pain that Avram feels. It's not just that Lot, he, one of his you know, living relatives, is disappearing. It's also the possibility of that being the future, of this being the resolution. And that's a very painful thing to come to terms with, which is why Hashem reminds him, no, I'm giving you this land and to your children, your biological children are going to be the ones. Don't think that you had the trademark on the plan over here. I've got the plan going as well. It also will probably adds salt to the wound, realizing that the Sodom is a bad place with particularly the Mida, the, the characteristic of the anti-Avram trade, the anti-Chesed trade. But we'll get to that when we get back to Sodom later. Another question is, why was Avram Avinu asked to walk the land? The Gemara in Sanhedrin, Dav Kuf Yud Aleph, Aleph, the Gemara Kuf Aleph, tells us that, it's, uh, that this is because, uh, there's a debate between the Tanaim, but this is because he's going to inherit this in the future. One is, that this, the one um, Tanah says, this is, this is the Kenyan, this is a form of acquisition. And this can be extrapolated to other forms of acquiring land by walking through it in certain certain specific circumstances. The Gemara is learning in Baba Basra, or it could be lechavivusa to to give him the this this joy, this desire to want to be part of this land. Either way, as the Torah to me explains, the notion is is that for those looking in on from the outside as well, that nobody can make the claim that the land does not belong to us. Although that seems to be what history has done, but we still have. But from the very, very beginning, that's where Avram Avinu walked, and that's why we have this land. Not because of any political considerations in the last century, but because this was the promised land to our forefather. 
Finally, one last question, that is, why is it that the children of Israel compared to the dust in this case? Rashi says, because it's very hard to count dust. It's uncountable, that's why. The Radak says, well, the stars, as we're going to see later on in the parasha, is for when we're at the, our best, the very highest, and the, the, the earth, the sand, is the lowest when we're at our worst, but both are innumerable. Whether we're at the top or the bottom, we are both innumerable. It is worthwhile noting that the Haim Ekdavar points out that there might be a shadow in this, there might be a, a sort of a, 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 a innuendo to Golus, to exile here, in the sense that sometimes when it rains and when soil gets wet, it turns into clods, and clods are much more measurable and holdable and you know, it, it, tangible when they're in clods. And you might think, oh, well, the Jewish people is much smaller than it really looks because there's times in history when it looks like that. And we're reminded that, no, that's not the case at all. When it dries up, when the end of that hard era comes, they turn it back into so many millions of granules of sand. Not, it, it may look like we are small at certain times after terrible tragedies. But in fact, those small, that, smallness, that smallness will turn into greatness and always will like the sand. With this, we close the third Ali. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful.